Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to this thing called life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I'm so excited to have you with us today. I hope everyone is staying safe, getting vaccinated, uh, and also just getting educated about it and considering getting it if you aren't sure at this point. I hope we're still being vigilant and wearing our masks and social distancing as we're still working through this. So let's just all hang in together. We have a great guest with us today. Uh, She spent most of her career in working in the field of organ, eye, and tissue donation. And she also has a deeply personal connection. So that's really kind of what led her into this work um, that she's been doing for more than 20 years. I want to also remind everyone that uh, April is National Donate Life Month. So what better time to learn more about the gift of organ, eye, and tissue donation, and also find out how you can help others. Visit lifepassiton.org for more information to register or to get involved. I also want to remind everyone we have this great partnership with Buskin Bakery that's going on through the month of April. Uh, You can buy Donate Life cookies in store or online at buskin.com. And with each cookie purchase, a cookie will be given to a healthcare hero who works in donation. So please visit buskin.com and order lots and lots and lots of Donate Life cookies so we can thank our heroes in donation and healthcare. Our nation is in the midst of an organ shortage. Uh, We need more people to register to be donors. Uh, We need more people to consider uh, living donation. We need to move past the misinformation that is out there and just really get the facts. So that should not be a reason for you not to educate yourself. We need to know what is true. We need to know what is false um, because that's going to help save lives. And you never know. It could be you one day on the other side of this where you need a life-saving transplant. And that's your only option to live. So please, please get educated. Please visit our website at lifepassiton.org and find out more. So now... Please welcome Missy Holiday, Organ Operations Director at Life Center to the show. Hello, Missy. Hi, Andy. Happy to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. So we have a lot to talk about. There's just been a lot of exciting things happening in donation and transplantation. Mm -hmm. And now you've been doing this for over 20 years, 30 years. Um, Almost 30. Yeah. Holy. Yeah, almost 30. Um, So 28 years, actually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Long time. Oh my goodness. So tell listeners about your career path and what led you down this road to do this work. Sure. So I went to nursing school and had this goal to be a pediatric critical care nurse. And that's where I started my career was kind of fully into that a couple years in when um, my family went through a a personal tragedy that really, it changed my career path. It changed my life. 
my sister was involved in a car accident and she was air flighted to University of Cincinnati Hospital where all efforts to save her life occurred. And we made like a 40 minute trip to the hospital after she had been um, air flighted there. And upon entering the hospital, we learned that things just didn't look good. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a, as a newly graduated nurse, I had some exposure to donation through nursing school, uh, through some efforts of Life Center where they had people come in and, and speak about how, how donation had changed our life. And, you know, you just shared that you, you just never know if donation would impact you or could impact you in the future. And I was, I was somebody who was, who was young and I never thought that donation would really ever touch my life and, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Mm -hmm. And so once we learned that things didn't look good, um, you know, as any family does, we, we held out hope that my sister would prove the medical experts wrong. Mm -hmm. And she was transferred to the surgical ICU where again, I think the, the support that my family received was consistent in the message of things don't look good. But again, we still hoped that she was gonna survive. And so we knew that they were gonna do what was called a brain death exam at midnight and that they would repeat that exam the following morning. And so at midnight, we were told that she had failed this exam and that she did not appear to have any brain activity. And I think it was confusing for our family because she was in an ICU bed. She was pink. She was warm. You could see her heartbeat on the screen. And yet we were being told that she was likely brain dead, which we were also told was a finality. There was nothing you could do. And that it in fact meant that she had died. Mm -hmm. And so at 6 a.m. we received kind of that final diagnosis, if you will, that she indeed was brain dead. And at that point in time, physicians were um, able to bring up donation to families. And there's been a lot that's changed in that yes. since then. And it, it did cause my family to, to question a little bit, uh, the physician who said, we've completed the second brain death exam, she's brain dead. And then he followed that with, what do you think about organ donation? And so it did lead my parents, I think a little bit to, to question why this person was bringing up donation to us when they were charged with saving her life. But my family was able to really consider the person that my sister was. And we knew that the prayers that we had been asking for would now kind of transform into prayers for the people that would receive the gift of life from her. So my family said yes to donation and that really changed my career path. And so what year was this? 1991. Wow. And your sister's name? Her name is Dee Dee. Dee Dee. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So back then, so states now, most states now have what we call donor registries where people um, when they go to the BMV, um, they are asked if they want to be a donor mm -hmm. and they they make the decision there. Yeah. Back then, though, I don't believe Ohio had a donor registry yet. They didn't. It wasn't something that we even um, considered even looking at her driver's license at that point in time. And I think right. you had the ability, I think you had the ability to indicate, but it wasn't something where there was a lot of um, backing behind that. It might've been a donor card back then. Yeah. Because I wasn't... remember people saying, I have my donor card, yes. like older people. So I'm wondering if that was. Yeah, um... I, I honestly don't recall us even questioning, looking at her driver's license. I think what we did as a family is we we took some time to just talk about who she was. And mm -hmm. it of course didn't take us long just knowing the type of person she was um, to say yes to donation. So wow. yeah, a lot has changed since then. Wow. That is just, so you talked, you talked about um, at that time, doctors brought up donation mm -hmm. and how much that has changed. Yeah. 
Can you talk a little bit about why that, why it's important that there are organizations like us, like Life Center, um, who actually facilitate those conversations with families sure. versus a medical care team? Yeah. So, you know, when we were approached for donation, I remember shortly after speaking to my parents and saying, hey, I want to go work for this organization because I really want there to be a change in how families are approached for this really rare opportunity, knowing how powerful that gift is. And it was two years after my sister passed away that I came to work at Life Center and really shared my story with um, the leadership that was here at that point in time and, and shared how that that affected my family and how other families may not have been able to really consider donation because of the way that that we were approached. And thankfully, we we were able to still see the good in it. And I think we also knew that, you know, there was no ill intent from this physician. It was just the way that things were done at that right. point in time. And so, gosh, so much has changed since then. So our requesters at Life Center go through very um, lengthy training. And I pride myself on the fact that I think we do have one of the best training uh, programs in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it's important because there's so much to lose. If you don't have people that are making this ask of families who are empathetic, who can really meet a family where they are at that at that time, knowing that it's their likely one of the darkest days they will ever experience. If you can't really explain how this can not only help recipients, but what this can mean to them as a donor family, then I don't think that we are doing our community justice. We're not doing our donor families justice. We're not doing um, what we should be doing for the people that are waiting and dying every day waiting on a life-saving gift. Mm -hmm. So we've come so far. We've put so much time and effort into the training and just, it's no longer just this simple question of what do you think about donation? We really make sure that the family has an understanding of their loved one's condition. We ensure that, again, empathy is part of our discussion and that when we are talking about donation, it's not just about helping somebody in need. Again, it's about knowing that this can comfort a family in the days and months ahead. Yes, yes. So you came to work here, it sounds like about 1993. Mm -hmm. Okay. How many people worked at Life Center back then? <laughs> I'm going to take a guess and tell you probably about, I'm guessing between 12 and 15 people. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so much different again than what we have today. Unbelievable, mm -hmm. because now we're at 80 plus. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we've come so far. I mean, we we had transplant coordinators, um, we had a, a finance department, and we had I think one or two people that were involved in education. And and you know they they were the foundation that was laid for Life Center. But yeah, we've come a long way, and, and there's so much that's changed. Even just I think back in 1993, we had one of the highest consent rates for families, and it was about 45 percent. And so we were, we were one of the highest in the nation. And now I look to where we are today and we're, you know, over 80% of families that we speak to say yes to donation. It's because of the community education that's, that's out there. You know, we've made so many advances in that. I don't meet too many people today who have not at least heard about a positive story about donation. And so that really helps to think when we're speaking to families um, that they've, they've been touched some way by donation, whether it be through a media story or a personal story, a friend that's received the gift or given. Mm -hmm. And that I think really helps them to understand the power behind yeah. that decision. It's interesting to me, you said earlier about families being able to find comfort, you know, in, in what is obviously a very tragic time and they're experiencing this sudden loss. 
What in your experience, because you you've talked to I I would imagine probably thousands of families over your career. Mm-hmm. Um, when a family says no, let's say their their loved one isn't registered mm-hmm. and they're just they're like absolutely done. Yeah. Um, don't want to just don't even want to enter in that conversation. What I mean, why do you think that is? What do you think that's about? I think it could be for a multitude of reasons. We see differing reasons for that. <clears throat> I think sometimes they're just uh, overwhelmed with the grief that they're feeling and they can't step outside of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's for a myth or misconception about donation. And a lot of times our staff can clear that up. And if that's the only reason why they are having a hesitancy to donate, then if we can put their mind at ease, oftentimes they will say, okay, like this is the only reason why I didn't want to donate. So I'm willing to look more at this. I think if families give us the opportunity just again to share what is involved in this process and walk through that process with us, I have never had a family that has said yes to donation and then has come back and said, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I have heard of families who have said, I wish I could have just been in a place where I could have listened to what this could mean to us because I I wish we would have made a different decision. Right. Yeah. And I think, again, that goes back to just the importance of of people taking their power and educating themselves, because this is such an important issue. This is a healthcare crisis. We all have the opportunity to help other people, either through organ donation or tissue donation. And so I can't emphasize enough just before if you are ever put in a situation like that, just take the steps to, to get the information. And so what, what is a myth? What, what is that one myth that you think you hear the most? Uh, the, the biggest myth we hear would be that a hospital will not do everything they can to save my life. If they see on my driver's license that I'm a registered donor, and that could not be further from the truth. Hospital staff, Uh, EMS staff, if you're in a car accident, some sort of accident where they have to take you to the hospital, they're not looking at your driver's license. They don't care about that. Their focus is saving your life. And it's only after all those efforts fail to save your life that organ donation is even a a consideration. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for clearing that up. So, okay. So you've been doing this a long time and recently Life Center had a first Mm -hmm. in organ recovery. Would love for you to talk about that. Sure. So yes, Andy, recently Life Center was involved in a first ever at at our organization where we were able to recover a heart for transplantation from a donor where typically um, that's not possible. Wow. And so what it means is that we uh, are able to save more lives and advancement in technology from a transplant center side, as well as our um, our side has allowed for that to happen. Wow. How many lives were saved as a result of this donor? So this donor was able to help six people. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. That is amazing. And just congratulations to you and your team. Thank Um, you. As you said, I know there's just, there's been so much advancement um, in transplantation. So to be able to do that and to help someone else who is in need of a heart transplant, I think is just, it's miraculous. So it is. And I think it starts with that donor family. It starts with that person or their family saying yes to donation. And it would not have been possible without the support of this family. Right. Wow. Well, thank you to, to the donor family as well. Absolutely. 
So we're, we're still in COVID, hopefully rounding third, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but how has COVID impacted the way donation happens? Yeah, I get a lot of questions from friends and family about how COVID has, has affected us and has it shut us down. And I'm happy to say that it, that it hasn't, you know, it's, it's still something that we are learning and we're still trying to, to know how COVID is going to affect us long-term. But, you know, when, when we were faced with this last year, there was a lot of unknowns and we've come a long way. Um, what I'll share with you is that, you know, last year we did have more donors than we've had in any other year in the wow. history of Life Center. And we were able to save you know, so many lives, even in the face of a, of a pandemic. And so wow. COVID does not necessarily preclude someone from being able to be a donor. Um, we look at every situation individually. And um, again, we've learned so much and are still able to save lives. Wow. I mean, that is, that is amazing that that, you know, donation still is occurring. And the fact that Across the country, we saw an increase in donation in 2020. We did. In spite of a pandemic. And so I just, to me, that speaks to the work that teams across the country of organ procurement uh, organization, the clinical teams are doing, and also just that partnership uh, with all of our hospitals to make it happen. COVID is something that we take very seriously. And, you know, one of the things that we've done is we do test everybody who's going to give a a life-saving gift, whether it be organ tissue or eye, we test each of those individuals for COVID. And so we ensure that 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 safety is there for Mm -hmm. the recipients. Mm -hmm. So I know that there are family service coordinators that uh, actually go on site to speak to families Mm -hmm. about donation. Um, How did that how did that work with COVID? Because I know that there were a lot of limitations in terms of people being able to be in the hospital with yeah. their loved one. We'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was an obstacle for sure. Um, we we really had to think about how we could, again, meet a family where they needed us to meet them. And if they weren't able to be in the hospital, it meant we had to call them over the phone. Mm-hmm. Typically, the staff, as you said, we go on site and we meet families face to face. And I feel like that allows us the ability to um, really connect with them. So it, it made it a little bit more difficult to do that over the phone. But again, we um, we took that seriously. We did a lot more training with over the phone approaches, a lot of role plays, if you will. And um, again, we were able to save more lives than we ever have before. Wow. Wow. So again, Life Center celebrating 40 years of just serving the community and the nation um, through organized tissue donation and and just facilitating the recovery of those gifts. In your time here, because I think you are the veteran of Life Center and that you've probably been here the longest, what has been the biggest change since you started? You know, there's, I think there's so much that's changed. Um, You know, I, I feel so honored to be part of this organization and to, to really carry on what, what in on my own personal story, what started back in 1991, um, you know, I feel like the education that we've done in our community with our hospitals, um, I feel like the buy-in, if you will, from hospitals and the the support that we've received over the past, you know, 30 years, again, that I've been involved almost, it's changed dramatically. And so because people, I would think back then it was just something maybe just people, either they didn't know about it, they didn't want to talk about it, but 
now you see so many, you see stories. I, yeah. I just feel like the stories are out there more than ever. They are. And I think as a society, I, what I recall from my earlier days is that you know, so many families that I spoke with just said, you know, we never talked about this. We never talked about this because, you know, as a society, we don't like to talk about death or maybe their loved one was young and you never think something's going to happen to you at a young age. And so I think what I've, what I've seen change is that there are more discussions as families, you know, learn more about donation and they see the positives and it, and it sparks that discussion uh, even from parents to say, Hey, with my child, we need to have a discussion about this because I learned about this 16 year old who unfortunately passed away in a car accident and their family made this courageous decision. And I want to know what your wishes are. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the, one of the big changes. So in your time in this work, is there, is there an instance, an interaction, a story that always has stayed with you? You know, I think with the families that I work with, I remember all of them. So, you know, every family is unique in their own way. I think the ones that really stick with me are, um, you know, I'll give you a, for instance, we had a, a young gentleman who passed away from a, from an accident and he was a registered donor. And when I met with his parents, his father really voiced some opposition to, to this opportunity. And so as we always do, we try to work through that with the family and try to just, answer the questions that they have and, and let them know that respect is at the core of every step we take in the process and just help them to feel more comfortable with what is going to occur. And he reluctantly um, supported his son's wish to be a donor. And I was able to spend a lot of time with them over the 24 to 36 hours that takes place when someone's going to give the gift of life. And what I recall is that at the end of, of that situation, after we had we had walked his son to the operating room where he gave the gift of life. And I had walked out to the, um, to the lobby with his family. His father came up to me and said, I need to let you know that I've changed my mind about donation because I was able to see with my own eyes mm -hmm. how much care and compassion that your team has and how you really respect this gift. And for me, that's one of the best things that I've ever um, had occur to me just uh, that somebody has changed their mind about donation because they're able to see that truth mm -hmm. in what donation can mean. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one that really sticks with me. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Honor walks. Yes. Because you just in, you triggered that in my mind when you talked about this patient. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. What that is? Yeah. So honor, honor walks are something that... Um, we initiated, I'm going to take a guess and say about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's something that came about because we felt like, again, at the core of what we do is respect. And we, we want to do everything we can to honor this gift and make sure that the family feels that. And so we do offer a lot of um, other things to families. We offer a heartbeat bear to families where they can, they can have a recording of their loved one's heartbeat to keep with them forever. Um, we offer a memorial box where they can, um, they can put mementos and, and pictures and things that they can always remember their loved one by. And we decided that we still were missing something. And so a lot of times when we are ready to um, move to the operating room where a patient gives the gift of life, that walk to the operating room can be, it can be difficult. It can be difficult for families. Um, it's kind of those last steps before they say a final goodbye. 
And we decided we needed to do something more to pay tribute to them. And so we initiated what's called an honor walk. And it's basically a time for hospital staff, family members, anybody who's been involved in this patient's care to line the hallways um, on that path towards the operating room where we can pay a quiet tribute to this individual who's going to save lives. It is powerful. It is emotional. Um, sometimes there's a lot of tears from not only the family, but from hospital staff who are, who are watching this happen. But it is one of the most powerful experiences I've ever been through. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so thankful that we do it because we have heard so much feedback from our families that it just means the world to them. I know I've, I've had the opportunity to be a part of one uh, maybe two years ago. And mm -hmm. I just, the, it, what struck me was it was so reverent, like, and I don't even know if that's a mm -hmm. real word, but mm -hmm. it just, it, I don't know. It, it, it was surreal. It, it was um, just to see all of, all of the hospital staff there, all of the family and just lining the halls and everyone is quiet. And it's just this moment where all your focus is on this, on this person who is going to do something uh, just so selfless, so, exactly. so miraculous. And just, I don't know, it, it, it is, it is very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget it. It is. And I, I'm, I'm happy to say too, that there's several other um, organ procurement organizations who have, have seen some of the things that we've done and have now um, reached out to us and said, how do you do this? And they've taken that on too, to support their families. So that's, that's again, I think something that I will remember too, just knowing that um, our honor walks really kind of initiated this domino effect across the country uh, where other people are doing the same thing. Yeah. So you lead one of the probably one of the bigger teams here at Life Center. Um, and there's several kind of teams within mm -hmm. your department. Mm -hmm. What would you like to say about your team? I think it's really hard to put into words what this team does on a daily basis. Um, the passion that they have, um, some with personal experience, some without that, um, they believe in our vision and mission. They see the good that comes from donation. They also see the raw emotions from families who are in those initial stages of grief. And, you know, we, we see things that um, we sometimes take home with us. And I think the fact that, you know, they believe in what we do and I trust them wholeheartedly to, um, to help us fulfill our vision and mission Sometimes it means that they're up for 24 hours at a time trying to facil facilitate the gift of donation. Sometimes, like I said, they, they take things home with them. They, they miss out on things with their family because they are here supporting another family or, you know, um, again, helping, helping donation to happen. I'm proud. I think that's the best word that describes me. Um, as you said, there's a lot of things that are changing in our industry and there's a lot of changes that have recently occurred. And it, it means that our team has to be even better than we've ever been before. And um, I'm proud of the fact that they own that and their mission is for us to continue to grow and learn and save even more lives. Yeah. Wow. And as a leader, how do you, how do you support your team when you know that there's that person they're struggling? It's mm -hmm. maybe it was a difficult case. What, yeah. what is, how do you try to support them? I think I, 
because I've walked in their shoes in the past, um, being in that role before I came into a director role, I know what it means to give up time with your family. I know what it means to be up all night. And I know what it means when you are just having a bad day because you've seen a family, you know, in their lowest moments. I think coming in to support the staff sometimes on site, mm-hmm. if, if they need to just have a break doing that. Um, sometimes I will um, take some on-call days for them um, to give them a break. Um, I'm a huge, huge believer in appreciation and teamwork, um, team building, things like that. So I think checking in with my team, they know that I'm always available to them they have come to learn that they can call me at two o'clock in the morning if they need to just vent or if they need to cry, Mm -hmm. if they need to call me and say, I am emotionally spent and I just can't come into the office. They know they're going to get support from that. And the only reason that I think that I can give that is because again, I've been in their shoes before. And if you don't support your team, especially in this emotionally draining yet rewarding career, it's impossible for somebody to stay in that if they don't feel that they have that balance or that support. And so I'm, it's not just me. I think it's our leadership here at Life Center that offers that, knowing that we have a unique role and knowing that um, we need to keep the people that are really good in this role. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to do whatever we can to do that. Mm -hmm. The one thing, like I've known you since I've been here. So Mm -hmm. I've known you 15 plus years. And I always, what I respect about you is you treat your team like family. Um, because I also understand how important family is to you. Mm-hmm. You you thank have you. a a beautiful large mm-hmm. family. I do. Thank you. Yo, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. So, how do you manage all of that? I know it's got to be tough, and you've been doing it. I mean, as a mom, as a mm-hmm. woman, as a wife, mm-hmm. and also just you know an amazing leader with your team. How do you, how do you balance all of that? I, I could not do it without the support of my husband. I, I'm going to start with him. He has supported me for, you know, a very long time in this role. And he knew what he was getting into <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we got married. And, um, you know, he he supports everything that I do with Life Center. My kids, you know, I've got four kids and they've each sacrificed. They have. They also believe in what I do. Um, proud to say that I have a daughter who's graduating this year and she's going to go on to college to um, focus on nursing and possibly work in the field of organ donation because she really believes in what we do and she's seen the positivity that's come from it. But yeah, there's, there's definitely been, you know, they've, they've paid the price in some ways. Um, But without them, without my parents, my parents who still, you know, are proud of what I do. And and I think feel good about the fact that um, Didi continues to live on in some ways through me. My, my siblings too, uh, I have overwhelming support or I could not, I could not do this. It, it takes that in order for you to fulfill this role. Yeah. And I'm just very blessed that I've been able to have that. Yeah. Well, we're blessed to have you here because you. you really have done such a wonderful job and have been your servant leader. That's how I see you. Um, Thank you, Andy. And so it's been an honor to work with you in this. Um, what does self-care look like for you? Um, self-care is something that sometimes I have a difficult time with. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I really do take a lot of pride in caring for other people. And sometimes um, I don't care as much for myself as I should. But I also have learned that 
by not um, caring for myself in some situations, it's, it's led to some burnout and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely important. It's something that we, as you know, have focused on at Life Center. And so for me, it's really just about spending time with family when I can. If I'm not on call, making sure that that time is spent with them and not answering my phone as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, exercising, things like that, doing things mm-hmm. that I love, um, spending time with friends and things like that. So it's definitely important. And I'm I'm really glad that we as an organization have instilled that in our team to make sure that that it does occur. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've just over the last few years have realized the importance of that. And um, I think, too, it's helped us um, with the longevity of the team that we have here across across the organization because we have put an emphasis on that um, and just, you know, letting staff know that we care, we understand, mm-hmm. you know, the 24 seven, the grind, the emotional impact. Um, Absolutely. So is there anything else that you want to talk about? I think I would just say for anybody who <clears throat> doesn't have the facts, as you talked about yeah. earlier, there's so much involved in the organ tissue eye donation process that unless you're intricately involved in it, you may not know about. Mm -hmm. And what I would just say is that, um, as I shared earlier, I think we define respect in that process, in that moment when we're speaking to families. After a family says yes to donation, our relationship with them doesn't end. We're there to support them throughout um, the time that they're waiting for their loved one to give the gift of life. Um, We're there to support them afterwards and get the facts, as you said, know as much as you can, learn as much as you can about donation because it is a admirable gift that someone can give when a family supports their loved one's wish to donate and um, sees what's involved. Uh, one of the one of the things that I really appreciate is always getting feedback from families and <clears throat> hearing how donation has really um, changed their life. Mm-hmm. So get the facts ask questions. If you need to call Life Center, ask questions, do that. Um, But know what it's about before you make that decision. Yeah. I completely agree. I just, I'm a big advocate for facts over fear. Um, Mm -hmm. And really kind of, really it's a form of just self-determination and advocating for yourself to go out, get the information. Again, there's, there's so much misinformation out there and that that's what really bothers me about um, this whole process is that people just there's a website for everything, yeah. and unfortunately, and it's not it's not always based in fact. So I just I really encourage people to get get the facts, get the right information, um, and talk with your family. Yeah, it's so important um, when a family knows what their loved one's decision was. I just, I think that that leads to it being a more peaceful transition and there's not, you know, I know you've probably seen situations where there's infighting with families and Mm -hmm. chaos and that's just more of an emotional toll. Yeah. And it goes back to getting the facts. I think there's nothing more difficult than speaking to a family who doesn't know what their loved one wanted. And more often than not, the result of that is that a family says no to donation Um, and then in my opinion, I feel like they miss out on so much, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's their right to, to make that decision. And so I would never judge that, but I feel like because they don't 
potentially have the facts in front of them, it could lead them to make a decision that can affect them down the road. So right. yeah, get the facts, know what it's about um, so that your family knows and that the decision that you want to occur will happen. Yeah. So we've been talking, this has been a fantastic conversation and I just appreciate you spending time sure. with me and kind of letting me peel back the layers. <laughs> uh, but one thing that stood out to me is I recall you, you have, you worked with a family or, or a couple of families maybe, but mm -hmm. you were asked to speak at their loved one's funeral. I was. Again, one of the things that sticks in my mind as far as um, being honored in this role, I think to work with a family for that short a period of time and, and not to have known them beforehand and have them ask me to speak about their loved one when I, I never knew them before this, it is something that I, I was very honored to do. Um, it gave me the ability to share with people um, the fact that I didn't know this person, but what I did know about them was that they made this courageous decision. And I was able to share a little bit of information about how that person uh, touched other people's lives and uh, made a difference in our world. Oh, so yeah, that was something I was honored to do. I just, I think that is just, I mean, that to me, that's a testament to the, how much you support these families who are going through the worst moments of their lives, that they trust you enough to to come back and speak thank about you. that. So um, thank you for all that you do. One other piece I want to touch on. Sure. Our, our partners in donation, mm -hmm. working with all the folks in the hospital that like, I mean, there's so much that has to happen yeah. for recovery, organ recovery to take place. Can you talk a bit about working with the hospitals and, and the different teams and units and. Yeah. So, when our team is involved as far as organ donation, that most often happens in a, a critical care unit. Um, so we serve 35 hospitals in our greater Cincinnati area. And, you know, we've come to know nurses, physicians, social workers, chaplains from each of those hospitals. And again, that's a partnership that we really value. Um, every hospital is different, yet uh, when it comes to donation, again, we all kind of have this common goal, and that is to support a family to make sure that this, this um, process is respectful. Mm -hmm. And if the family is supportive and if, or if this person made that decision to donate, just to make sure that, that we do everything we can to ensure that that occurs in the most respectful yeah. way. Yeah. It just, there's, it just takes so much to make it happen. And I think, I think Life Center works really well with with all of our hospital partners. We do, we do. Um, you know, we have our own team that is responsible for educating each of our hospitals. And that's another area where we've really grown significantly. Um, and that education has really resulted in a lot of support from our hospitals and um, what we do. Yes, yes. Well, I think, I think we've answered all the questions. We've had a great conversation. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share a little bit about what I do and how donation has touched my life. Oh, I think this is great. And I think that my biggest takeaway is, you know, you've, you have, your passion is evident for what you do. And it's, it's rare that people can do work that they're truly passionate about. And I, I see it in you every day. Thank you. Um, and it's, I think you've been a blessing to so many families um, and, and also to, 
to those recipients because of the work that you're doing. So thank you. And thank you to um, your team. I know it's hard work. I know it's can take an emotional toll. So just thank you for continuing to be on the front lines. Absolutely. Honored to be a part of Life Center. As I close today, there are 107,502 men, women, and children in need of life-saving organ transplants in our country. And today, 22 people will have died waiting for a transplant. So what can you do to help? You can register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You can learn more about the organ and tissue donation process. You could also look into and research what it means to be a living kidney donor because the vast majority of the people waiting on the transplant list need a life-saving kidney transplant. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to yourself and to others. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. Are you interested in saving someone's life by becoming a living donor? You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By offering a kidney or a portion of the liver, living donors offer their loved one or friend an alternative to waiting on the National Transplant Waiting List for an organ from a deceased donor. Today, the number of living donors is more than 7,300 per year, and one in four of these donors is not biologically related to the recipient. Go to Life Pass It On for more information. Thanks to Life Center for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.